0: Welcome to another episode of Season 2 of the Panjway Podcast. As always, you can find our episodes on all podcast platforms, as well as YouTube and Facebook for the video episodes. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button on your platform of choice, and if you enjoy what you hear, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a nice five-star review. If you want to support the podcast financially, we've set up a few ways for you to do
1: so this season. You can become a patron by hopping over to patreon.com slash Panjway podcast and sign up for a small monthly donation. If you want to make a one-time donation, you can find us on Venmo at the Panjway Podcast. And last but not least, we've got a small selection of merchandise in our store. So if you head over to thepanjoypodcast.com and click on the store tab, you'll see stickers and other merchandise and who knows what might come down the pipeline. So remember on all three pa- platforms, that's The Panjway Podcast. P-A-N-J-W-A-I podcast. Thank you.
0: Yeah, I mean, going from... Well, there we go. There's a good transition, because then we can start talking about how we have a former tanker here. Uh, former. Emphasis former. on former. Emphasis on former. Nice we're sitting. That <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's cool. That's cool. Whatever, guys. we uh,
2: have had one
1: full-blown tanker, and that was one more, <laughs> more than I can handle, so at least you're a half, <laughs> half tanker.
0: We, we, we love you, Adam. It was a good <laughs> interview. Yeah, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> we're sitting here with Thomas Young. Thomas, what rank did you retire at? Um, I actually did first-hard in time before I got out of the Army. Okay. So former first sergeant, Thomas Young, and Thomas is a reformed tanker. Uh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yep. Uh, and he spent the, uh, the better part of his career in the United States Army uh, working in intelligence. Is that right, Thomas? Yes, it is. All right. And Thomas is here with us today because uh, Thomas was part of the ODA conglomeration of ODAs that, uh, helped seize Sparrowingar during Operation Medusa in 2006. So we're really excited to have you, Thomas. Super uh, We've excited. been looking forward to having a, a, a guest that was there as part of that mm-hmm. operation for a long time. So thank you for, uh, for agreeing to join us. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys having me. I really do. The privilege is ours. And, uh, the way we always kind of start these things out is we gave you an opportunity to give us a little bit of your background, kind of you know why you joined the army why you decided you didn't want to be a tanker anymore um and why you kind of ended up choosing the intel community and kind of how the the elevator pitch version of how you ended up kind of on the ground in Kandahar in 2006
2: okay so the elevator pitch is typically really short but i'm going to give a longer version if you don't mind okay that's fine <laughs> right. so so i grew up in a really military heavy family uh, my uncles have served my my aunt served my grandfather retired from the navy my father had served So we had this really deep rooted um, appreciation for our country and love for our country and that that patriotism that kind of led me to go into the military. Um, You know, growing up in a Navy town, driving past the gate and hearing my grandfather talk about, you know, they've got a store in there. They've got a gym in there. They've got all of these cool things in there. And then you look at me and say, but you can't go. I wanted to be (laughs) part of the club right <laughs> exclusivity right. So having uh, grown up in a Navy town I decided to join the army just to piss everybody Perfect. off right right yeah. naturally um, armor really having chose armor that wasn't my decision as you would probably hear many people talk about. <laughs> armor was more my recruiter's decision because sure. um, he was a tanker.
0: Oh. Uh. yeah
2: you guys ever hear that story 76th Easting. nah. It was, I think it was 76 Easting. It was um, Desert Storm, where a company of tanks had crested over an invisibility line in in Kuwait and decimated an entire division of armor and armored vehicles.
0: Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, I don't like the tankers much, but that's pretty cool. Like, man,
2: (laughs) it it was pretty intense. If you get a chance to check it out, it's on YouTube, but it it was fantastic. Mm. Um, So he kind of let me sit down and watch that and absorb it oh man <laughs> of, Right, you know, hook line right. sinker and of course i'm like that's what i want to do so mm-hmm. uh took off to school and uh did about and nine it was, years. And it was just like the movie right oh yeah absolutely <laughs> i swept and mopped a lot <laughs> <laughs> it sounds about right anyway so about nine years of doing that um you know i, I decided that hey you know i'm gonna leave the army you know, as, as we all do, you know, mm-hmm. seven to nine years in, we start talking about how we're going to leave the military. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've got all this education. I've got all this training. I can go do something. Well, as former infantrymen know, <laughs> there's not a whole lot you can do with a combat arms MOS when you get out of the military, right? Not mm-hmm. much. So the light kind of shined for me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stick it out. And I'm going to find something that's going to give me some kind of uh, – some kind of you know career field or something some kind of benefit that i can take with me into the civilian world so i looked at uh the basic extension and reenlistment program um mm-hmm. and found a under you know under strength mos and you know got the recruiter to agree to to sign me up for intel and uh transitioned over to intel so you know you get the clearance you get the language you get the you know all this tech training that uh, i'm not very good at <laughs> Then kind of went from there. So I graduated to AIT at about nine or 10 years um,
0: in service. Wow. What was that experience like being that seasoned, going through uh, AIT?
2: So have you guys ever heard of the the Defense Language Institute? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I went out to the Defense Language Institute as a 19 kilo. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. Right. What language did you study? uh, I studied French, even though I suck at French. Don't test me, please. (laughs) So, boo is about the extent of my uh, French. <laughs> so the French course is actually six months. Um, I graduated after 12, if that tells you anything. Right? Nailed it. <laughs> right. <yeah>. Go <laughs> <Girl at> home. <laughs> well, D-L- DLI is a beautiful place, right? You want to stay there as long yeah. as you can, so I just yeah, took it. Monterey, right, California. Monterey, California. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. So uh, my first week there, we had an old 82nd First Sergeant, uh, First Sergeant Chris Rains, and I was in his office every... Single day. Sergeant Mm -hmm. Young, you cannot talk to these privates like that. (laughs) What are you talking about, First Sergeant? I just told the soldier he had to go inside and put his cover on. But you can't talk to these privates like that. You're telling me, First Sergeant, that I can't be an NCO? I'm not Mm -hmm. telling you that. I'm telling you, you got to go to their platoon sergeants. Like every day it was the same thing because he was an old, crusty, salty guy. He understood it. He's like, I'm not telling you, you can't be an NCO. I'm telling you, you can't correct these privates like that. So I was really salty when I got into the MI career field. And clearly that's changed a little bit.
0: Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So when you were at DLI, is that when you found out that you were going to be going to one of the uh, special forces groups? So
2: it was actually, uh, by chance, really, um, we show up day one, we're doing all of our in processing stuff. And I had this big ass, you know, first cab patch on my shoulder and, you know, mm-hmm. of course the paratroopers kind of stick together. They kind of clump, you know, they, they figure out their group and they go standing underneath the tree while everybody else is near formation. Bill Gop,
0: Bill Gop, Bill Gop. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, one of the guys comes up to me, he looks at my shoulder. He says, Sarge, that's a big ass fucking patch jerry smith i'm like uh yeah so he asked me to explain i was like oh, i was in the cab and, and from then it was just you know best friends like so he kind of brought me into the crew and you know a couple weeks in i was initially on assignment to the 82nd airborne division so the mm-hmm. plan was i'd graduate school i'd go off to jump school and then i would hit ait and then head out to fort bragg um, and a bunch of those guys you know clearly were coming from the 82nd from uh 525 or something like that. So uh, an MI unit out there underneath the 82nd. Mm -hmm. And I I told them, I'm like, I'm going out to be in the 82nd. They're like, dude, you don't want to do that. (laughs) Like like, like, ceasefire. So they pulled me in. They're like, you need to call the branch manager and you need to tell them that you want to go to third group with us. So there was Mm -hmm. a large group, I think 12 of us, all in DLI together in... In the first class or the follow on classes there were 12 of us, which is really odd because uh, the, Saudi a yeah. well, the Saudi community is a really small community. I think, you know, at most you have 24 guys in a, in a group, right? So wow. it's, mm-hmm. it's very small. So they convinced me to call her and she's like, yeah, you know, if you graduate on time, we'll put you on orders. And of course I didn't, but she just <laughs> turned a
0: blind eye. <laughs> 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 I just eat by. buy. Nice. Yeah.
1: So did you finish out all of your MI time and special special forces attached to special forces?
2: Um, no, I did about five and a half years with uh, special operations and I moved on to other Army things.
1: That's good then, I man. I, I mean, I'm assuming that SF step kind of set you up for... You know, opening the door to some other world so you can finish out on a on a cool higher note than being stuck in fucking, you know, some brigade somewhere in third <laughs> <Right>. d basically. <laughs> it,
2: it, it really kind of opened that door, like I was telling you earlier. Um, you know, the soft is fantastic. You know, the the, the mm-hmm. SF career field is fantastic. They have a a much wider range when it comes to lateral movement, you know, thinking outside the box and doing other things, which really, like you said, set me up for that next step to get out of that community and kind of move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. They were fantastic.
0: Cool. So uh, when did you get to the so- SOTA? Uh,
2: so I showed up uh, to the SOTA community in October 2003.
0: Okay. So we're firmly at war at that point. Yes, yeah. we
2: are. We actually uh, – so couple wars deep. Yeah. <laughs> So the instructors at the DLI course, they were all from France or Morocco or or native speaking, you know, French countries. Um, So we show up, we're doing this course and, you know, of course, we're all concerned about, hey, we're getting ready to go to war. And Mm -hmm. the ground, the ground assault went in and the instructor came in that day and we're we're watching the news. We're watching the live reports of the ground assault, right? The instructor Mm -hmm. comes in and she tries to turn the TV off. And the lieutenant colonel that was in the class said, absolutely not. We're taking the day off. We're watching the ground invasion. Get out. And we nice. literally sat there all day and just watched the ground invasion. So we knew what we were getting ready to get into. Yeah.
1: For sure. Yeah. At, at the time, were you thinking you were going to be going to Iraq? So, so
2: let me tell you something here, Luke. Um, I, I, <laughs> I speak French, right? Um, right. Kind of, sort of. Uh, third group's AR was Africa.
0: Yeah. So, oh. in, in
2: my opinion was Africa is always where the fights at, like, mm-hmm. because it's it's so North Africa is always volatile, right? It's there's no governance. There's you know they're they're fighting each other. There's constantly a coup. There's always mm-hmm. something going on in Africa. So I thought Africa's where the fights at.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: show up the third group thinking I'm going to go on a J set to Africa, you know, and, right. and be able to speak, you know, parler en français, ha ha ha, and right. um, not once. You know, it was constantly, every six months, we're in Afghanistan for six yeah. months. We'd come home for six months. we go for six months. we come home. Like, it was, yeah, it was brutal. Hmm.
1: So when was your first uh, rotation out to Afghanistan?
2: So my first rotation out to Afghanistan, I got there October. I don't think I deployed until the following fall. And that was actually okay. a short rotation. Um, the way at the time, I'm, I'm quite sure they've changed because we were kind of, we weren't really assigned to the battalions. Uh, we weren't really assigned to the teams. We were more assigned to the group headquarters itself. Um, mm-hmm. So every time the group would deploy, all of the days would go, all of them, uh, every last one of them. Um, even though the group was only deploying two, company, or, yeah, two companies, two battalions, mm-hmm. if you will, they would deploy two battalions and leave a third battalion back, all of the Saudis would go. So every time third group took the flag and went to Afghanistan, all of the saw would go so we were constantly on rotation yeah. wow mm. they get a rotation off you know every they'd go twice and then stay home once go twice stay home once we were constantly going right um so i think i missed that first year i think i got there right as they were halfway through um so i stayed uh, did some rear d stuff got you know, integrated with the teams got my group issue stuff and mm-hmm. then uh rolled into the second one i want to say august of 2004
0: now, you said when we were talking to you earlier that the, the lead up for the 2006 deployment was a little bit different than the first two. Yes. Could you kind of tell us a little bit about, about that? So because we're not assigned to the battalions or the teams,
2: um, we don't really have a whole lot of interaction with them. We really don't know who we're deploying with at the time. It's really mm-hmm. kind of a, you know, uh, pick a hand, any hand, right? Or pick a card, any card. We'd get out to Afghanistan and we'd find out what team we're going to. Uh, just wow. based off of what's Late. happening. Yeah, right. Just based mm-hmm. off, of, I mean, we'd have an idea. You know, we'd talk about it back at the headquarters and say, hey, you know, you know 303 is going to go, you know, Kandahar or 302 is going to go up to, you know, Gardez or something like that. But mm-hmm. it would always change when we got into Afghanistan. The difference with the 2006 deployment was, um, you know, my mid-NCOIC came up to us and said, hey, Tom, you need to start training with ODA332 at the time. Three three two, three three one, um, rusty team, right? Yeah. So we start doing some range stuff with him. Um, some drivers training. We just, you know, we get out the wire with him, we kind of get to know them a little bit more than normal, right? Uh once we got to Afghanistan, none of that changed. You know, the mid NCOIC told us that uh, hey, there's stuff going on, you guys are gonna take part of an operation, it's a big push. Um, continue to work with those guys. Continue to train with those guys, and we're probably going to send you on the operation. Hmm. So I want to say we did a week or so of, uh, you know, drivers training, more range stuff, and just kind of getting integrated with the team, getting to know them, which was fantastic because we'd never had that in the past. So you're always, right. yeah. you know, as we show up in Afghanistan, they're already out of the firebase, and this, you know, group of four Intel guys show up and, ha, ah, we're cool, right? No, yeah. um, <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't know you guys, right? You got to prove your medal. Like most of them didn't even know what we did. Mm-hmm. Like really, like they had no clue. I, I don't want to say most of them, but some of them didn't even know what we did. Like I would yeah. go down to the battalions and try and brief them. They're like, "You're who? You do what?" <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 and, it, and it's no fault of them, no fault of theirs. Mm-hmm. It's just they're constantly on rotation, they're constantly deploying, they're constantly going to combat, and some of them have saw and some of them don't.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And if we have to to cut this, that's fine. But could you briefly describe exactly what? Uh, not exactly, but generally what uh, what Sade brings to the to the odas so
2: in generic terms a Sade does force protection uh through intelligence collection means
0: okay okay Fair enough. they do
2: it well they, they do it uh, not just and you know not just in bagram but they go out to the uh fire bases themselves and they go on patrols with the odas and you know provide force protection through intelligence means
1: okay As, this is all mi in the Sades. all mi
0: gotcha okay so in this in this case, then, you didn't have to prove your medal once you got there. your boots on the ground in Kandahar, you know, Rusty and his team already have confidence in and and you said you had four of you four of us, yeah,
2: four of us yeah. and two um I want to say they were, they were American terps,
0: okay, and they were your interpreters, they were separate from the ODS yeah. interpreters, right? yes. That's that's okay. actually it's pretty nice that you had uh yeah had that How dedicated that? asset I mean I feel Sometimes. like interpreters in Afghanistan yeah fair enough <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I feel like in, in Afghanistan you know you're always You know, interpreters are like a dwindling resource at times. You know, there's never, and I've never can think like, man, I'm glad we we have way too many interpreters right now.
2: Right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, you get the quality of your interpreter varies, you know, as you know.
0: Wildly. You get
2: guys that are out there because mom and dad told them they had to move out of the basement, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) And you get guys that are out there because my, you know, he was a, the one guy we talked about previously was lieutenant colonel in the air force, the Afghan air force who flew MiG-21s. Mm-hmm. He's out there for his country. That's the dude yeah. you want, right? Right. So we mm-hmm. would always give our our interpreters. They'd come out to the fire base and uh, they'd bring them to my you know my little spot, and we'd have the conversation like, "Why are you here? Let's have this conversation. Why are you here?" Um, you know, and, and that's that's really kind of where I based my you know, we're getting rid of you. Get on the next thing smoking, or you can go anywhere with me. Right. Mm-hmm. I had a dude. This guy couldn't have been five foot three, really skinny guy. I think he was eighteen when he showed up. Wow. Right. Spoke wow, like four fast. or five different languages. He shows up and I look at him. He comes in to meet me. He's like, hey, Tom, you know, I'm Sal and, you know, shaking hands. And I'm like, Sal, how much do you weigh? And he says, 120 pounds. I'm like, I don't think that's enough weight to open up the parachute. We're going to have to jump into a village tomorrow. And you know what Sal says to me without missing a beat? I'll put rocks in my boots. <laughs> I'm like, brother, you can go yes, anywhere Sal. I go. Right? Like <laughs> right, anywhere I go, like you are a badass. And he was probably hands down one of the best trips I'd ever had. Wow,
1: for sure, that's good, man. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Well, meanwhile, down at uh, Bravo
0: One Six Four,
1: it's
0: like, can, can you speak a coherent English uh, English in sentence? Sorry, can man. you? Oh, oh no! More importantly, do you even speak Pashto? Mm. Yeah. Do you speak? Pashtun? We we had, we had interpreters that like, barely spoke sure. Pashtun. No.
1: My you know, my my as good as my <sighs> as
0: my English is great. Right. Right. Look, yeah. do you remember when they all went on strike? Yeah, our turds went on strike. They, they refused
1: to go on patrol because <laughs> we were getting fucked up so much. Yeah, but we did. We had a couple of excellent, yeah, interpreters, really good, ones. like really phenomenal good. guys, good. and we had a couple that were duds. Yeah, some real turds. So yeah, I was a
2: turd in the organization, right? That's oh, right. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: But we had one who got his fucking noodle rocked and his name was well, we called him Jay. I always felt really bad for him because he was a, he was one of our better
0: terps. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, if he had stuck it out, he wasn't he had been doing it for gosh, I don't
0: know how long. He was a true believer too, man. He was He did, yeah. He That's was good. he was he was all about the cause and he was a really good guy. And you know, I don't know if he made it to the States or not. I've not been able to track him down, but I hope he did. I think Trump? he did. I hope he did.
1: Yeah. I think he did because he, he he's some. Oh I mean, no, not no. He. I don't. I don't know about him. The, the other old dude. The, the other Jay guy. made it. I know that. The other Jay made it. Yeah. yeah. The other Jay made it. I just don't. Know I'm if... glad he made it because he was a really nice guy.
0: But anyway. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> one of one of, our, one of our many many tangents. So yeah yeah. Understand. Um, so you you get to Kandahar. Um, you're fully integrated with the teams. Um, you guys were at Maholic. Or mm-hmm. Gecko Maholic slash Gecko, which is yeah. just outside of uh, Kandahar City, mm-hmm. really cool place actually. Yeah, um, unique. It used to be um, Mullah um, Omar. Yeah, Mullah yeah. Omar's. Uh, yeah, like it's like summer house or something, right? I can't
2: remember who it was, but one of the
0: ODA teams had actually drained the pool. Uh-huh.
2: And was was the uh, logo still on the bottom of the pool?
0: Uh, I don't know. I don't, okay. I, I can't remember if, if the pool was filled in or not when I was flying over it. Okay. I never had the chance to actually hang out at Mahalik. It wasn't somewhere we got, got to go very often, but um, it was yep. kind of a separate deal, but uh, just flying over it. And it's just this vast property. It was, it's like people in like Montana that have like a hundred acres. That's what Mahalik always reminded me of. Like it's a yep. little base. It's all this open ground and this big fence on the edge. Just really yep. cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm glad that we we stole it and turned it into our own purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Did you ever do the climb to the top? Uh, No, top of the mountain. I don't. I did not. um, But we sure did
2: drive a lot of that terrain. uh, Yeah, week that we were there, you know, having having the idea that we're going to drive through the desert. They wanted to get a lot of drivers training in, so we drove along the side of the mountains. You know them and their GMVs and us and our up armor. That up was armor at Humvee, weighed three times as much. <laughs> heavy as Sinking yeah. up to the axle every time you hit a sand pit somewhere. <laughs>
0: so, I mean, that, that's a that's a good good transition. I mean, you, you got to uh, Gecko or Maholic. How, how long before you knew what the plan was or that there was a plan?
2: Uh, you know, when we got there, it was, um, you know, the ODA guys disappeared. Sure. And we're still doing, you know, because it's, it's still a threat area. So we're still doing our force protection, still trying to get as much as we can. Um, so the ODA team went off and kind of did their planning and preparation for it. So I want to say they, they were pretty quick about putting this thing together. You know, they're super smart guys. They've done this a couple of times.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and they come back to us within 24 hours and like, all right, this is the rough draft of what we're going to do, you know, putting it out. Um, we're taking notes kind of, sort of, you know, for those of us that can read. <laughs> um, so they put it out to us and then we immediately start training, um, Sure. you know, range stuff, driving stuff. Um, you know, packing all of our equipment. One of the things that they had told us to do was uh, load our up armor with double basic load. Um, and double basic load, if you're not aware, I'm sure you are, it's pretty fucking heavy. Yeah, I and mean, it's uh, basically mm-hmm. twice
0: what you would normally carry as far right. as ammunition, water, all that stuff, right? Yeah. So
2: we are uh, we know we're getting ready to drive through the desert, the rolling stand, sand dunes desert. Um, so we put double basic load on, and one of the guys comes walking by our vehicle. I think it was... Uh, uh, Rush, uh, Rush comes walking by our vehicle and he looks at it and he sees how far, you know, how much, how close the tire is to the wheel well. And he's like, yeah, you know, you might want to take some of that stuff off because you're not going to make it. So yeah. we had to download some of that. I think we went in with single basic load.
0: And that's the thing about this story that always just like yeah lights up in my mind. This is like an adventure story, like the it's literal like, it's like plan the opening
1: scene of Indiana Jones. Right. It you is yeah. just trucks driving across the desert, you know,
0: and like and <laughs> not like any kind of desert. This isn't like the hard packed like desert valley floors of most of Afghanistan, where it's it's pretty much hard pack. Yeah. Right. This is like rolling sand. Sahara sand dunes, like yeah. straight yeah. off it the is. surface of Mars, and like. Yeah. You know, there it are roads the out there, Desert but you're not using with them. With red sand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And these guys that was the a... plan to, yeah. to drive, ha- like, how many GMVs and how many Hiluxes and, you know, yeah. your up armored Humvee. This yeah. whole column of people, a couple Another hundred tangent. miles. <laughs> these, yeah. Uh, these guys did a
2: fantastic job at planning this and putting this thing together. Like, they understood the capabilities of not just my up armor, but, you know, the Hilux yeah. vehicles, the Afghans were driving their GMVs. Like, they did a really good job at putting this thing and together.
1: That's, that's no small feat driving across that loose sand because... For one, that everybody knows how to drive in sand, as we as we found out, sure, and I'm sure you guys probably hit that problem a couple of times. But yeah. when you're driving in sand, as soon as you start to slow down and you start spinning your wheels, you just bury yourself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and like we had we had guys who obviously didn't know how to do it, and they take those <coughs> mat V's, and every time we'd go into the edge of the ridge stand, and it would turn into that that loose sand coming off the ridge. Yeah, they'd bury the fucking mat V's instead of just powering through it. You know. Yeah. And so like, I, I, when I read the lines of Kendahar book, I was like, man, it's like, I hope everybody knew how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
2: did they question? Mark. Yeah, did they? Uh, so we lost one vehicle in the desert. I believe it was an Afghan vehicle, but um, yeah, everybody else mm-hmm. seemed to do fine. Yeah, yeah, we, I yeah. mean, we had problems where we'd stop and, you know, somebody would <clears throat> sink and they'd quickly dig them out. But at that point, you know, we were in the middle of a desert, and, you know, who's out there, right? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. It's true. Now, when you did like the driver's training before, obviously, you couldn't go to the reg to do driver's training, and there's nothing like that in the immediate vicinity of Canada, of uh, CAF or Mahalik. Right. So how did you guys prep for that kind of journey? So as far as the
2: uh, sand, uh, we really, like you said, we really didn't have that ability to do that, but uh, we just mm-hmm. kind of, you know, learned the capabilities of the vehicles we're going to take. So they right. assigned us vehicles, we took the vehicles out, we drove them on the side of the mountains that you see outside of Mahalik. Mm-hmm. You know, drive them up, drove them up the side, um, you know, just kind of practice some, some things, you know, the, the, uh, you know, your follow on distance and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, But as far as driving through the sand, we didn't get a chance to practice until we actually hit the the desert.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you guys went south on highway one through Mm -hmm. the city and then past the city. I think it, it makes a left at some point and that's when you made your right into the desert. Yeah. So and how do you remember how many miles or approximately that journey I've, was across the desert? Man, I've got no clue. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a long <laughs> way. How long it's, did it
2: take you? Two three days? I, or... I think it took us three days. I think it yeah. took us a full yeah. solid three days to get through the desert.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was no yeah. small maneuver. I mean, Panjway is not very far, but if you go the route that you guys went, it's pretty yeah. far. The security route yeah. for yeah. sure. Yeah, and you know, could you explain what the purpose of that? Maneuver was why you didn't just like take the most direct route. I mean, to people who read the book, it's obvious, but for some people,
2: sure. I think it was just more along the lines of a uh, you know, like you said, a skewed route, skewed entrance. Because what we didn't want is we didn't want to telegraph what we were doing, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because we we're setting up a uh you know a, a blocking position. We didn't want you know, as the Canadians were moving south and they were pushing all these bad guys south, we didn't want them you know escaping through the desert because, as you know, Pakistan wraps around the southern part of the Red Desert, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So we don't want them escaping through the desert and making it back to Pakistan. So we're just going to set up a blocking position to see if anybody was coming out. So I think, you know, our our presence there was not to be known.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was supposed to your arrival your in that blocking position was supposed to coordinate with the start of the aerial bombing or was it supposed to uh, coordinate with the, the ground assault?
2: I believe it was a ground assault. OK, I'm not I'm 100 percent positive, but I'm, I'm pretty sure it was a ground assault.
0: Because I remember um, there was like there was like a weird thing with because uh, in reading General Fraser's book, he was supposed to do like a seven day bombing campaign before the ground assault moved in, right? And they shortened it for whatever his I don't remember, I can't remember what his reason was, but the result was that they didn't soften the targets enough. Um, so it would make sense that you guys would arrive in conjunction with the ground assault, yeah. because if they if they shortened the aerial assault by four days, then it would have thrown That's everything true. off.
2: I'll, I'll tell you what I do remember, uh, regardless of you know when we uh, coordinated it for. I remember seeing families because they dropped some leaflets saying, "Hey, yeah. you know, if you're, you're if you're a good guy, you know, that's all relative, right? But if sure. you're not a Taliban, again, that's all relative. But if you're not a bad guy, leave the village." Um, I remember pulling up on that, you know, like you said, the the sand to hardball, right? And you see mm-hmm. all of these people leaving the village. Like there was a line of people on you know, camelback wow. on donkey and wheelbarrows and families just moving their family out of the city. Mm. So when it was time, you know, unbeknownst to us, when they said you guys are now the assaulting force, when it was time, uh-huh. we, we had a pretty good indication that there are no civilians in that.
0: Sure. In that uh, town. Yeah. Cause you, you watched them leave. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you guys, uh, when you guys arrived into your OP and you settled in, like when did it start to, pull together that you were actually going to start making a push. So
2: pull together. Um, I didn't hear this firsthand, uh, but coming from, you know, the, the ODA leadership was they had some uh, friendly fire incident, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that, can, uh, with the Canadians, right?
0: With the yeah. A-10. Yeah.
2: yeah. A-10, straight some Canadians. Yeah. And I think at that point, the Canadian says we're going to hold in place. Um, and I don't know where the decision came from. It probably came from Rusty because he's a badass, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it say, "Hey, we're now the assaulting force. We're moving forward. We're moving north." Right. Um, that was kind of a gut check, you know, like, "Holy shit!" Like I thought we were <laughs> going to be here for three days, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we're already three days in.
0: Right. um
1: Yeah. Seeing all the shit unfold yeah. out in the district, right, over that three days, for sure. Yeah.
0: And uh, prior to this point, you had already identified that Spurwingar was some sort of object of interest, right? So as
2: as we're uh, rolling through the desert. Um, we had comms with our S2 shop and the S2 shop was telling us about this, um, what they thought was a man-made hill. Um, and Mm -hmm. as we know, it's not a hill, um, this man-made hill with a potential mortar position on the top of it. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm passing this info to, to Rusty and, you know, because they have more things to worry about. He's like, we'll get to that when we can get to it, Tom. And then, you know, we continue on and Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we ended up assaulting that position.
0: Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and if, uh, again, I'm remembering from you know the book. Uh, the idea was that that was just such a position of dominance yes. that they could get up on top of that thing, and you had kind of cross, kind of even out the distance because the guys on Masamgar could see so far, and then from Spurungar you can kind of see whatever the guys at Masamgar couldn't see, and kind of start to bring more American air power to the fight. Absolutely, Ten Colonel Bolduc and uh, Major Bradley were like we're going to do this. We're going to take the, our three ODAs and our ODB and all our Afghans. We're going to seize this hill. Uh, And the first attempt didn't, didn't go so well.
2: Uh, So the, the first attempt was, it was actually, so while the hill was the landmark, the school Mm -hmm. was the target. The school. Um, Okay. Right. School to the south, the one
0: Gar. No, the one on the, the one on the plateau, right? Right at the the base. Yeah. Yeah, Right at the base. All
2: right, cool. Um, So the initial push into the village um, we had gone in, and we had actually gotten surrounded. Um, you know, we're getting intel that hey, they're watching us. You know, all this good stuff. Um, and Rusty, I could hear Rusty come over the radio. I see some dude popping his head up, and right at that moment, they unloaded on us, and literally, almost like a horseshoe of, yeah. mm-hmm. of um, compounds just opened up on us, and they managed to get behind us, and we went absolutely black on ammo. That that first day, that first engagement, um, huh. we managed to pull out of there, roll back a little bit and uh, regroup, reconsolidate, get, you know, resupply
0: and push back in. And now that for like you had no air coverage during this whole thing because it was being used by the Canadians or... Air coverage is relative. Um, Fair if enough. somebody,
2: <laughs> if somebody else in the country had a, a firefight before we did, we have right. no air coverage. In, at, I, exactly. I, yeah. I, I don't know where they were at at that point. Um, because this is
1: not a, not a great time to be duking it out in Afghanistan because so much of the priorities and the monies and everything else is getting dumped into Iraq in '06. six. Right. So right. it was kind of, you know, making do with the leftovers essentially yeah. in terms of air power and, and infrastructure and things like that. So, Yep. So when you guys got hit on that first day moving in, I mean, was it, you know, was it just uh, all out chaos, or did it feel kind of coordinated? I mean,
2: so it, um, you know, it, it felt pretty coordinated. I remember mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> uh, RPGs that were airburst over our head, so they were far enough away that these things were popping over our head, or at least close right. enough. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it felt pretty coordinated. It was, you know, I'd been in firefights before, but this one was, you know the first time they never stayed and actually fought like they yeah. wanted to defend this area as much as they possibly could
1: and when the, did you guys get hit close far i mean how how were they fighting body uh, positions established body positions or was it kind of hit and run and they you know
2: at this point i think it was uh, they were just using their their huts their 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 yeah. walls their compound walls yeah. popping over the walls and shooting at us i think they were trying to get us from continuing forward to that uh, you know the base of the mountain in the base of the mm-hmm. schoolhouse yeah
0: sure Um, and was, was this the firefight in which, uh, your, your teammate dutifully carried out his, uh, ammunition resupply duties?
2: Yeah, sure. So, um, (laughs) we, we pulled up there you know, when the firefight broke out, we all, you know, pulled online as, as we do, right. Mm -hmm. We were the far right vehicle. So the far Eastern vehicle, um, the rest of the ODA was kind of off to our left, um, and we hear, you know, we're hearing this radio, you know, this, this these guys talking on the radio saying, "Hey, we're we're low on ammo, we're low on ammo, we're red right on ammo." Our 50 cal um, had gone down. Um, Shocker. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Give the support guy that one over there in the corner, right? Um, yeah. So our, our 50 cal had gone down, and we knew that it wasn't going to come back up. I'm I'm pretty versed on a 50 cal. I took a look at it. and There's just no way this thing's going to come back up. I think it was a calibration issue. Um, mm-hmm. the, the receiver was bent in. Um, so, oh, wow. knowing that, uh, yeah. my guy Lauren Jefferson goes to the back of the vehicle and grabs these. I don't know what they were like the really tall cans, yeah, like the hundred rounds or something like that.
0: They're really, yeah, the ones that are ones. supposed to be on like the the vehicle turret with yeah. the yeah, yeah, the big ones, right? <laughs> so he yeah.
2: grabs two of these things and starts running across the battlefield. And I'm watching, and everything's happening in slow motion, right? And I'm mm-hmm. seeing rounds skip off the ground behind him as his fat ass is running across the, the open battlefield. <laughs> but it gets better. He drops these things off and he turns back around and comes back. And so again, do, 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 following him all the way back. It was fantastic. The guy's a, an absolute stud.
0: Did that a I, 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 hundred pounds of uh, 50 cal? Let me just. I, I, I bet you there's a conversion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's got to be substantial. So, so prior so it's to 35 that, pounds, not counting the links. So wow. you're talking 35 pounds plus the links plus the boxes. So let's just call it an even 40, 45 on and 100 hand. across both of them. Yeah, It's, <laughs> Jesus.
2: it's yeah. amazing what adrenaline will do. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. I bet he was <laughs> <For> sore.
1: <sure>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that next day he couldn't move. Right, know. right. So to back up a little bit to, um, to kind of, you know, understand how we figured out that fifty caliber was just not going to work. We'd get a round or two through it, and it would stop. We'd get a shell lodged in the uh, the barrel, and we'd have to pry it out with you know a set of pliers or a, a, a screwdriver. And mm-hmm. at that point, my guy in the turret, Jeffrey Ensley, Jeffrey who was man of the 50 cal, climbed out and is standing on top of the turret. Lauren Jefferson climbs on top. The dude that carried the ammo climbs on top, grabs the barrel with his bare hands. Oh, no. Right? So he's got burns on his hands. He gets yeah. the barrel off. They manage to clear it you know, put it back in, they get two more rounds off. And this is all under fire. Like this is yeah. airburst RPGs, you know, AK-47 rounds going off. And like, these guys are, are doing this all under fire. Jesus. Myself and the driver were out providing cover with our M4s, but they're standing on top of the vehicles, just like going to town, trying to fix this damn thing. Um, but that's kind of what led up to Lauren, you know, grabbing those cans and you know, like, fuck, it's mm-hmm. down. Not only
0: is he carrying a hundred pounds across <laughs> battlefield, his hands are burnt to shit from right. ratcheting a sure. barrel of a fifty cal off. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, man, man, I hope they, I hope they slapped a ward on his chest for that.
2: Yeah, we, I, 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 don't know that it ever happened. Um, <laughs> it was submitted. Uh, Lauren ETS out of the army halfway through that rotation. Oh, really? Oh, wow. wow! Yeah. So
1: he was close no. to being done then yeah. and still had the balls to get there and do
2: it. I'll tell you, that guy, I'm going to put this on record because you're recording. That guy was the best saw I had ever seen in my life. Wow. Like, he was, nice. he was that guy that I didn't have to tell, hey, you need to test fire your weapon. Hey, you need to do headspace and timing. Hey, you need to make sure your vehicle's good to go. It's clean. Like, it's resupplied. Like, this guy was every morning. I'd, I'd wake up and he was up before me. I'd get out and he's like cleaning the vehicle, resupplying wow. the vehicle. He was, yeah, he was fantastic. Nice.
0: Very that, good. That that's, that's, the, that's the right kind of person you want on your, uh, on yeah, your four-man team. On your assault. <sighs> yeah, on your and, soul. <laughs> and,
2: and I let him ETS out of the army.
0: <laughs> I can't believe they sent him if he was going to ETS halfway through the rotation. <laughs> that's, crazy. That's, that's how bad we
2: were hurting for bodies. I mean. Yeah,
0: apparently. Yeah.
2: You
1: know, well, except at that time, Afghanistan and Iraq, you know. So Afghanistan, it was anybody and everybody.
2: So as of Saudi, it's it's a really weird dynamic, right? So you get mm-hmm. these straight-leg intel guys that at the time – Didn't go through any of this vetting process, any of this training. Mm
0: -hmm, It was mm -hmm. the
2: Army Human Resources Command saying, it's your turn to go here. You've got Mm -hmm, airborne mm -hmm. rings. You're going to to third group or you're going to the 82nd. So it was really just a conglomerate of dudes that, you know, maybe should have been there or maybe maybe shouldn't have been there. Um, Mm -hmm. So regardless of his ETS or not, like, it's just a whole bunch of regular Army guys trying to provide support for these soft element guys, you know? Mm-hmm. wild. It is wild. Look at the
0: draw. Right. <laughs>
2: Bad <luck of> <laughs>
1: draw,
0: look at the <laughs> draw. Best
2: years of my life. I don't know what you're talking about.
0: There you go. <laughs> um, so that, with, with that particular ambush, did you guys leave the ambush from the direction you came or did you push through and then kind of buttonhood back? So
2: from what I remember, we left the, the ambush the direction we came. Okay. We, yeah. we pulled back. Um, we had some mortar trucks, so we put the mortars down. We started calling, you know, Dropping mortar fire on him and, and called Cassin and kind of laid waste to that initial um, entry point, that village. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, and then next day we were rolled in. It was pretty quiet and pretty gory.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So you guys made it back to the desert that night, right? Back to your same initial blocking position, right? Uh,
2: no, it was not the same initial blocking position. Oh, okay. it was, uh Yeah, it was probably about a kilometer or two outside of the the village.
0: Oh, okay. So yeah. oh, okay, so you didn't
1: uh, go all the way back into no. the ridge. Then
0: huh? gotcha. No. Okay, I and mean, like Down you said, you in guys are... open
1: ground where you can see them coming at you. Yeah, sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you guys were out of everything. I mean, you're, you're almost completely out of uh, ammunition. I'm sure you're you're short on water and food and all the other kind of stuff. I mean, you're already there longer than you planned to be. So that um,
2: night, that that aerial resupply was probably worse than the ambush, um,
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> because even with nods on, you can't see these things coming out the sky. Because I don't know, no. I don't know how they had them marked, um, mm-hmm. but it's pitch black. No aluminum, and I just remember hearing the pallets hit the ground. You know, it's like, oh shit, that was like fifty yards away. Like we're huddled up in our vehicle, knowing that we're probably safer than the ODA are because they've got GMVs and we're in an up armor, right?
0: Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not a good feeling, man. And they just like dropped to, like a C one hundred and thirty or something.
2: Uh, I'm sure it was a C one hundred and thirty. They they yeah. put something together. Um, you know, we had pulled out and we started dropping mortar fire on them. You know, clearly Rusty had called back and said, hey, you know, we're black. We need all this ammo we need all this food, we need all this water, you know, send us a resupply. And they, they worked it up real quick. They even had our S2 folks cause I couldn't get them on the horn. They had the mm-hmm. S2 folks out there packing pallets.
0: Wow. Like nice. it was a,
2: a full on, you know, all hands all on hands, deck, man. Yeah. yeah.
0: Hmm. And so that, that resupply happened the night after the first attempt, did you guys attempt make your second attempt the next day or did you have like a day to, to, to kind of refit and then go out or what was the timeline like? It was the next morning. The next morning. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. But you slept well that night. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jeez, man.
1: And so So I mean, they they came in there with cast, laid waste. Yep. And you guys rolled in. You said it's pretty quiet on the second day in just because they'd smoked so many of them.
2: Yeah, the second day in it was pretty quiet. Um, yeah, we did some pretty good damage to it. Uh rolled through the town. And from what I remember, the town was just south of the actual spear one gar, so we we had pushed mm-hmm. through it. And managed to uh, hit that berm area that we were talking about. You know, there, mm-hmm. there's a couple levels of Spearwan, if you will. Yeah. Uh, there's the, <laughs> the first
0: level of Spearwan. Right. <laughs> yeah. The ground
2: level where the road right. leads yeah. up to. And then there's this berm you pull up mm-hmm. and onto, the, like this large area. Mm-hmm. And then there was the mountain. So it was almost right. three levels. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, I think the village that you're talking about was to the southwest of Spearwan Gar. Maybe. I mean so it's, it might have been like an extension of what we call Pi Maluke. Uh, that would be my uh, guess, yeah. But that village that was more now that we're talking again, I think I can I think I figured it out, Curtis. Is <laughs> 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 it I think that the village that y'all got hit from, uh probably to your left, to your okay. west, west. Um was very safe for us. <laughs> it was actually uh, one of the safer villages in the AO. Then hmm. I think when you took when you actually come up onto the berm, I think you drove past where our burn pit ended up being. Yeah, okay. I I the south, a good, the south exit of the gas of the uh, base for us. Yeah, that's a good and guess. So I think that road up from there is right around where our burn pit was, and you crested it just to the south of the hill, but not quite like you know. So when you when you came up on the berm, where was the schoolhouse? Off to your left a little bit. The schoolhouse.
2: Yeah, I guess it was off. Yeah, it was off to the left a little bit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what it
1: is then
0: for our Spurwangar fellows. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of, it's interesting to think about this assault on Spurwangar because our recollection of Spurwungar has HESCO barriers and they they built r- multiple roads that go onto the base. So like, you know, when we were talking about driving over the berms, you know, because there was only one way onto that facility, you know, through a road and, you know, Due to the IED threat, I'm sure. assuming that's that was that was off limits. Mm-hmm. Um, so you guys took the berm, which was doable at the time because there were no Hesco barriers <laughs> in your way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Um, so you guys were up and over the berm and then kind of onto that plateau yeah. where the schoolhouse is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the you said it was quiet when you went through the village, but when you got up to Guarded were you, were you fighting uphill to get onto the plateau, or was it, were they kind of letting, you, letting you up? So we
2: managed to get onto the plateau. I was the second vehicle on the convoy. Uh, Rusty's vehicle went first. I went second. We got up onto the plateau, and the third vehicle behind us hit an IED. Um, mm-hmm. At that point, I want to say Rusty and Riley Stevens were reacting to an a a guy who had his foot blown off on the top of the mountain, on the top of the gar. Uh, oh, wow. Clearly it was heavily mined. Yeah. Um, so we came up over the top, the explosion happened, Rusty went first. We gave it a minute. We came up second because there was no gunfire at that point. We came up second and the third vehicle behind us hit that IED and Rusty and, and Riley immediately sprung into action and came running down that hill.
0: Yeah. And that was, that was the, the vehicle that Greg was in? Yeah. Greg and, uh, Sean. Um, and, Unfortunately, Sean did not survive. Uh, they both survived, actually. They he did both survive. Okay.
2: Sean got his bell rung pretty good, but uh, yeah. yeah, Greg was the worst of the two.
0: Okay, that's right. Okay. That's right. Greg was one um, that was really, really bad. He, he has a book, too, so we'll put a link in the show notes for, awesome. for, for Greg's book. Um, yeah. And, yeah, he was the one that you guys put on the bird, and you weren't 100% sure what was going to right what was going to transpire. I mean, it's kind of a
1: miraculous that you guys didn't take any more casualties than you did.
2: Honestly, yeah. yeah, I uh I look back at it and you know, and after having been on top of that hilltop and you know, the EOD supposedly cleared it, um, apparently <laughs> somebody later on had stepped on an IED later on mm-hmm. after we had vacated. Oh, wow. Uh, wow! So apparently there were still IEDs up there that we just got lucky enough not to find.
0: Yeah, mm. I mean, I'll I'll Represent my EOD homies, man, there's That's there's no job. way to clear an entire place like Mount, that. For sure.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, there's probably HLZ IEDs and... still there that never got found. Yeah. The batteries just ran out of juice before <laughs> That's by a good the time guess, somebody actually. stepped on them. Yeah. There's,
1: there's definitely an ID on like the edge of the HLZ somewhere. Just... Somewhere, yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. you
0: just put so many hundreds of pounds of gravel and rock and high and... barriers and Yeah. So, I mean... I mean, and it's, it's for our listeners, if you haven't checked out the website to look at pictures of spurwangar for uh, the combat outpost, quote unquote, is a really, really big, it's a big, you know, place. installation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you were to run the outside of it, it'd probably be, you know, at least a half a mile, maybe even a full mile. If you ran around the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, the hill is quite tall. Like you said, it's a mountain. Yeah. You know, it's like 80 feet above the the rest of the valley. Um so the idea that anybody could clear that is yeah. just crazy, and then the fact you guys were able to seize it relatively unopposed on day two is a, is a testament to. Uh...
2: I wouldn't say unopposed. Um... <laughs> <laughs> So things got loud quick, uh, Right, yeah. I quick. Said relatively <laughs> compared to day one, right. compared to day one. Right. So yeah. I, I know we talked about this in the, in the interview process where um, Rusty had put together a team of ODA guys and mm-hmm. literally stormed through the schoolhouse.
0: Yes. Right? Yeah.
2: Stormed through the schoolhouse, cleared it. Something happened. I can't remember what it was. I don't, I don't know if it was the explosion. I don't know where they were at the time, whether they were in the schoolhouse or where they were on top of the mountain, had to react to that. But they mm-hmm. had to come out of that schoolhouse so right the mm. taliban had or the taliban the bad guys had re-entered that schoolhouse right and mm-hmm. recaptured that schoolhouse so rusty had to put another team together and take it again
1: um as far as <laughs> so y'all were taking contact from the uh from the schoolhouse it, itself we
2: were taking contact from everywhere
0: yeah 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 when did, when did the small arms kick off because i mean you, you said that it was there's not a whole lot when you guys crested the top of the uh Berm, was, was the IED kind of the initiation for the small arms? Yeah,
2: the IED was the initiation. Um, So it didn't help that that truck had a whole bunch of mortar rounds in it. So oh, a lot of mortar rounds were popping off and, and you know, things were happening. But, uh, yeah, that was the initial contact.
1: You think it was command wire or was it pressure plate or I, any idea? I'm
2: pretty sure it was pressure plate because we all, there was a path that we took. Yeah. We followed Rusty's path. Like, he's like, hey, Sade, make sure you stay in my tracks. And we followed his tracks directly up and the, you know. That was what we mm-hmm. had practiced, so I am assuming it was probably probably a uh, remote detonated. Yeah, oh,
1: okay. I mean, if it yeah. was yeah. command wire, it had to be fuck. I don't know, eight nine hundred feet of wire from that berm out to the nearest cover for
0: well, maybe. Well, I mean, this dead. is also before you know. I mean, even wireless remote detonation is, yeah. is possible that's at true. this time. So, we yeah, were, yeah, that's they true. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it's so that, that makes sense that the IED would kind of be the initiation for the small arms fight. Um, mm-hmm. that's a, that's a pretty common tactic, even going forward, you know, another 10 years of, of fighting in Panjway, That was something that they, they liked to do a lot. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so they took the schoolhouse, took the top of the hill, retook the schoolhouse and you guys are just, you're, you're, like you said, you're setting in at this point, you're setting in mostly as force protection. You're, you're, ex- right. you guys are extra guns, right? We're Intel
2: guys. Yeah. We sit on the yeah. side and just kind of watch things happen and, you know, engage where we can and
0: right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can edit
1: this house, but did you get to smoke some fucking?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I thought you were a military. You're 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 not military. We don't ask those questions. Come on, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> we I mean, did, man. <laughs> absolutely,
1: man. I hope it was just like a fucking shooting Swiss cheese, man. It, it was left and right.
2: Well, you know, it, just like any you know gunfight you get into, you really don't see them.
1: Yeah, right. you don't see shit. I so mean, you're... how many V's of dust did you shoot at? Maybe that's the question <laughs> I should
2: ask. <laughs> right? Any muzzle flashes? Right. Yeah, right. It, yeah. I mean, it, it it really boiled down to Cass, like yeah. Ron yeah. Walker our, our CT, our combat, our tactical controller, whatever he was. You know, because there's different levels of them. Sure. He was yeah. a rock star out there. Um, yeah. He he really kind of um, he made it so we could get some sleep. If you will, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. That's
1: what's up. Um, we'll edit that out. It's a dumb question. Yeah, I was, just, <laughs> I was just curious Cause we we never saw him. You know, we yeah. never saw the Taliban. Like, rarely. I think I only saw a dude a
0: couple times, three
1: or four yeah. times in nine months.
0: Yeah. And we always it's, got ambushed. We yeah. never got the one up. Yeah. yeah,
2: it's it's weird how that is.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a lot more fun so, when
0: you're up ahead, though. You get you that can downward angle, them. you can actually see them. Yeah, this nice. is guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's funny, I'll, I'll tell one more anecdote and we'll go back to the point before we cut it out, but uh, when I went, I was like, look, I'm not going to tell you when I've smoked somebody. All I'm going to do, Luke, when I went back as an Apache pot, I was like, I'm yeah. going to send you a meme. And the meme <laughs> was from the new Star Wars, it was the Chewie We're Home. So <laughs> yeah. Luke knew that if he ever yeah. got Uh, It was like the 3 p.m. on a Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. And And then there were a few more of those.
1: It's
2: it's funny because I I didn't realize that you were as much of a nerd as I am. So when we're actually rolling through the desert, right? So we're we're going through the desert. We're doing random stops, whether it's for a map check or a vehicle had sunk in the sand. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So we had stopped and Brian Pittman. Comes walking from the back of the formation. I'm standing on top of the vehicle. We're doing maintenance or we're doing whatever. We're doing, you know, function check on the 50 cal. And Brian comes by. He says, Sade, you guys get anything? My response is, we ain't found shit. <laughs> <laughs> so Brian loses it, right? He just almost shits himself. He loses it. Oh, man. He calls up over the radio and says, Sade says, they ain't found shit. Yeah.
0: So, if you know if you're listening and you don't understand the reference, go watch baseball. Yes, yeah, go watch baseballs <laughs> because that's what the desert looked like. Yeah, that's
1: true. I mean, they definitely could have shot at, yeah, a Star Wars film. Oh yeah, range. oh yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah. and I've always said like, like, if it. if the flat earthers are right, if if they're right, I'm not saying that they <laughs> oh, are, we're not but
2: gonna if pick on the flat earthers, if if they're, if they're right.
0: <laughs> then all of our Mars footage was definitely shot in Registan. Mm. For 100%. sure. I, th-
2: I think they probably had more rocks on Mars than in the Registan.
0: Well, there's parts of the Registan that have like mountains coming out of it. So like our test range was in the Registan. It was a big mountain. We didn't see any mountains in the Registan. <laughs> Bro, it
2: was just all sand dunes for days. That's
0: in- that. that- like this whole story is already just like a great adventure story, but my I still think my favorite part is just this journey over the dunes of the Red Registan Desert. We're gonna go save the Canadians, yeah. and just like, no. it's just wild. It, it to didn't me. start out
2: saving the Canadians.
0: No, no, it was no. Not, it's
2: certainly not that. The Canadians were doing a fine job themselves.
0: Yeah, and it's that's uh, also interesting that the whole you know the the mission starts with hey. Probably going to be pretty boring. We're going to drive out here, sit in a blocking position, watch the action. Then we're going to drive back. And it just, it shifts so dramatically from what, what that initial intent was. Yeah. Um. So on day two, I mean, how long does it take you guys to kind of get control of, of the situation? Obviously with the, with the help of the, um the JTAGs and the, the air, air assets. So,
2: so you're talking about when we pulled up to the schoolhouse or when we entered the village?
0: Uh, no, like when, once you're on the hill, like when you kind of had Spurwengar pretty well established.
2: So I want to say it took us at least 24 hours, maybe a little bit longer to get on yeah. top of that, that hilltop. Um,
0: mm. cause like
2: we said, the, you EOD guys went up there, they cleared it. They spent a mm-hmm. lot of time up there trying to, trying to clear that off.
0: Right. Um, okay.
2: I think they had some dogs with them and they were doing, you know, like you said, a fantastic job.
0: Right. Yeah. Um,
2: and at, I think it was. So, day two, we went in. So, day three, maybe day four, we pushed up to the top of the hill. Um, gotcha. Got to the top of the hill. We set in our, our base of operations. We pulled the GMV in back or the up-armor in backwards. Right. Thinking we were going to get our 50 cal up working. They, resu- <laughs> they resupplied us with another 50 cal. And oddly enough, wow. they had the same issue. I was about to oh, ask no. if that would work. <laughs>
1: Oh man wow. you know it, it's it's it's
2: sad to say, but they think of you know the saute it's you know it's it's a bunch of guys that hang out at, at uh, Kandahar or Bagram, or they stay in the firebase when stuff gets hot um, mm-hmm. and that's absolutely not the truth, right, so they hear that, oh, this fifty cows for the saute again, give them the other one in the corner, right right, um, yeah, you know, for what it's worth, it worked out well, so we pulled it in backwards because we had a swing arm two forty on the back that Jason Davidson was operating. Um, so we, you know, had our heavy firepower up front, our heavy firepower up front. Um, (laughs) right. So we got up there and just kind of, you know, took control of the village as much as we possibly could. Sure. Having the high ground that's, you know, as you guys know, infantry guys know that's the best place to be. Uh Um,
0: you know, it's also good if you're a Jedi master, just throwing it out there. (laughs) (laughs) One, one day I
2: might be one day.
0: Uh Get um, the beard for it, so. Yeah, I mean, you, get, you, you definitely got the uh, the elder Obi Wan Kenobi look yeah. going right now. I like
2: how polite you were with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you could be Obi Wan Kenobi in the upcoming. Yeah, years. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, if, if really it, could. Elder, yeah,
0: if if, uh, if you if you and McGregor drops out of the series, I think you yeah, could I'm you no could Nate perfectly sit in the in between the two the two trilogies. Nah, man.
2: My idea is to uh, be Santa Claus this year.
0: I'm
2: I'm working on my gut to make that happen.
0: I have have some training tips for that. (laughs) I I see you drinking
2: beer over there. I had to leave beer and go to whiskey because that beer was not treating me well.
1: (laughs) I just don't eat to keep the fat off. Carrot sticks and beer.
2: (laughs) My man.
0: That's hilarious. 12-ounce curls and sets. There you go. Oh, yeah. Follow the po- Panchway podcast for more diet and fitness tips. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh. And we'll lock down
1: behind the Patreon wall. <laughs>
2: and edits. And edits. And
0: uh. So what... <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <sighs> so once you're on top of the hill and you kind of have... You got your, your vehicle up there. You've got at least got a 240, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which as it turned out uh, ended up being quite more of a far reaching weapon than one would, uh, would, would anticipate. Right. Right.
2: Absolutely. Um, So we, we got up there, we're holding the Hill. Um, We get some Intel saying, um, you know, so I'm sorry to back up. Jimmy Caldwell, uh, master Sergeant Caldwell had taken a team and actually had gone into the town. uh, So North of the schoolhouse Mm -hmm. Um, at this point, jimmy caldwell had gotten surrounded um Mm -hmm. and it was it was a rough rough spot i remember hearing over the radio you know the situation and i you know getting the intel i didn't want to break you know i didn't want to get on the radio and interrupt what was going on because it was that important um Mm -hmm. and my guy jason he had dismounted the 240 and kind of moved forward a little bit all the way up to the edge of the the mountaintop and uh he starts yelling at me tom Tom, because if you look out about 2,400 meters, 2,000, 2,400 meters out, right? Yeah, you see this dry riverbed. Mm-hmm. He's like, Tom, these guys are running across the riverbed and they got RPGs. I'm like, fuck, shoot at them, right? And he's 240, right? It doesn't go very far. And he's mm-hmm. fucking pinging them. And he got it to the point to where he's arcing these things in the best he can. <laughs> so he, he manages to get them to disperse. That's wild. And then the next thing yeah. we know, they're coming over in in a uh, Hiluxes, right? They're they're transporting their guys over in Hiluxes. I think it was to to you know support what they were got what they had going on with Jimmy Caldwell. Yeah. So we mm-hmm. we called down to the uh, bottom, or I I went down to the bottom of the hill, walked down the side of the mountain, went down to the bottom of the hill, and I told Rusty and Jared, I was like, hey man, this is what's going on. I need some heavy firepower. I need some heavier firepower up on the top of the hill. That's when mm-hmm. they pushed rush up to the top of the hill with his 50 cal he pulled in next to ours you know we managed to disperse them and then they went back down
0: that's such yeah, a that's long such, range fight. A crazy with a 240
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah even
1: so even I, getting it to to zing and pass their heads so that they know they're being shot at so is a remarkable feat i yeah. don't
2: think he was dropping dudes but he could definitely see you know they were do, do, yeah do, he was yeah. getting it out there like and that's, that's the
0: point, man. That's what that yeah. gun yeah. is
2: for. Scare him. Woo. Yeah. That's a long like, way. So at this <clears throat> point, so Jason had dismounted it and we had started receiving a fire up the side, up the hill, right? Because they wanted uh-huh. to take that fucking hill back. Right. Um, and Jason had stood up right there in all the fire, like, shoot at him. He stands up because, you know, ooh, ooh, ooh. he stands yeah. up and he starts returning fire trying to get these guys to drop or to move back. Yeah. Unbelievable. Wow. That's awesome.
0: I mean, and, and for, our, for our listeners, again, if you want more of a reference, you go on the website and there's there's lots of maps and stuff, but the riverbed he's talking about is the Argandab riverbed, which is a solid two, solid. two, two and a half clicks north yeah. of Spurwengar. Yeah. Um, and from the hill, you can see it clearly, but I mean, that's just a, is a, a long, long shot. And for, what's the uh, max
2: effect range of that thing? like?
0: like no, 20, years, not that
1: yeah, like, yeah yeah certainly not that <laughs> not, not, yeah not two clicks yeah
0: right. I, I would i would say those rounds were subsonic <laughs> when, yeah. they were, when they were hitting the ground around those yeah. guys i mean and, and honestly like even a, even with a 50 cal that's a long that's a, engagement that's a long yes range. yeah, yeah. you know it's got the speed but as it, with everything all, all ballistics i mean you you lose a lot of accuracy as right. the bullet slows mm-hmm. down starts to tumble so like even if that story had been with a 50 cal it would have been impressed with a 240 <laughs> <Jesus. Yeah. laughs> uh,
1: so the guys down in um, down in the village that are getting surrounded like they're in a pretty bad spot they were and i would um, imagine this is probably either spare one the village spare, or it's definitely
0: it's got to be spare one so, so yeah. i want to say for... it was
2: kind of north of the schoolhouse northeast of the schoolhouse at best yeah. but just north yeah. of the schoolhouse there
1: Okay. um that, that'd be spare one yeah
2: i don't know what broke contact i think they sent another uh another team in there or a couple more guys in there to kind of help break contact and bring them back out but
1: yeah mm-hmm. like you know no issue so you're hearing all this go on just getting thick and bushy
2: down there right right i'm up you on guys top of the happy as a picking shit right
0: horrible. <laughs> yeah horrible so i mean i mean the the core of this story is that all all of your guys' estimates, not yours cuz you didn't make the estimate, but you know, the task force estimate or whatever of the number of people that were supposed to be in that area was way underestimated. You know, and
2: when you get to when you get to those numbers that they're way underestimated, a couple hundred,
0: you think, yeah. oh,
2: they're going to they're going to shoot some bullets at us, you know, maybe have an IED, maybe shoot an RPG and then they'll go run. Right. Mm-hmm. Like so that's what we thought we were going into. They're going to run. We're going to get on there, they're going to shoot at us a little bit, we'll defend ourselves and then they'll run. And then we'll have the mm-hmm. hill. we'll have the schoolhouse, we'll have the the land, right?
0: Right, mm-hmm. not so much. No, I mean it, it. I can't remember what the the number was, but they like the estimate was a couple thousand that were in the Horn and up in Zari. Just they they missed they the planners <laughs> they missed up. it by a factor of like ten. That's yeah. <laughs>
2: those those are my intel buddies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Assholes.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry. But at the end of the day, you guys are down there just duking it out with couple hundred Taliban or more you know yeah. which is wild thought launch, to us they launched counter assaults and I mean they're you know very orchestrated and magically yeah. sound you know yeah they stayed
2: in it for a while um so when we talked about Jason moving to the edge of the hilltop the mountaintop um, there was this little sliver of flat ground right at the base the northern base of that mountain that mm-hmm. Rusty you know we're getting intel saying they're going to you know, keep us occupied on the eastern side of this hilltop and flank us on the western side of this hilltop. So my guy, mm-hmm. Lauren, the guy with the burned hands and the you know smoked shoulders, right, goes running around the southern side of this swimming pool. Um, right. He goes right around the side of the swimming pool with his weapon to kind of you know keep him back, and he gets around the corner and jumps in this foxhole that was already up there, and all I hear <laughs> is shit. You know, amongst the firefight. Right. Amongst Uh the gunfire. I'm like, what? What? Talk to me. Like, talk to me. Like, what's going on? He's like, shit, literally shit. Like, I jumped in this foxhole (laughs) and it's full of shit. Apparently the the A&A, or not the A&A guys, maybe the A&A guys, but the bad guys had used it for a a shitter. And Uh he jumped right in it with the only uniform he had for the three-day operation. (laughs) That's Um, like the equivalent
0: of taking refuge inside of a port john so yeah. he, uh,
2: <laughs> he had managed to yeah. keep those guys back with M4 fire and rusty came around the South side of the mountain and pulled in on the Northern side where that flat pieces and uh-huh. hung out there and just kind of helped keep them from approaching the side at of that mountain top. Yeah.
0: I mean, it yeah. sounds like keeping them off of sperm and Garthas for a few days was a very active endeavor. Like you're constantly moving yeah, things constantly. around and constantly sending patrols out to create white space. I mean, yeah. it doesn't sound like at any point you're like, Oh, we got this. Like we're we're good. Oh,
2: but we did. We we had one of those points, and that was when the AC one thirty was overhead, and we <laughs> right were able enough. to. <laughs> right, uh, I know it's just right. raining in, <laughs>
0: right? So you guys were on Spare one Gar for we said what, nine days, something
2: like that. We got out there around. I want to say we left the thirtieth of August. The very yeah, and we had managed to get. We started the operation. In Spear One, I want to say the third, the second or the third, okay. and we had managed to get on the top of the hill. And I know Rusty came up there with his team, and when you see all those pictures with the team sitting up there with mm-hmm. the American flag and the Canadian flag, that was on mm-hmm. the 11th of September. Wow. which oh, wow. was Which was very, you know, clearly symbolic, but uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow.
2: That
0: yeah, that's right. I forgot wild. that that was right around that same time. Yeah.
1: So it was hot. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> To
2: say the least. Yeah. 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 That's fucking crazy.
0: And what what's kind of crazy about this whole story is you guys, you did this whole operation, you know, this bold initiative to seize the high ground, which like, just seems like such a foreign concept for the modern war on terror, you know? Yeah. Um, against an entrenched enemy force. It's almost conventional, scary enough. Mm. And, uh, and then you hand it off. And then you're back off to like kind of the, what the normal rotation has been, which, so like, what was that transition like going from this big named operation and seizing terrain and like defending it furiously? And then, you know, a company of 10th mountain guys shows up, takes it away from you, you, go back to doing whatever. Well,
2: fuck, honestly, man, I'm a, I'm an Intel guy. It was a relief <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> putting it bluntly. It was really, yeah. you know, yeah. it was, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you invest so much time and so much energy and so much, you know, bloodshed, really, with, with Scooby. Sure. Like, it's, you know, you don't want to leave it um, because you're, it, it's like, it's like your deployment, right? You go on a deployment, you finally get shot at. You're like, okay, the pucker factor is not so bad anymore because I survived the first one. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're already there. We're already ingrained in this. We're already, you know, doing the job. We're already defending it. Why not leave us here? We felt, I felt anyways, um, with the infantry coming in and taking our place, like, you know, we should just stay here as as Uh much as shitty as it was, because it was pretty shitty. And I, I can't see how they would continue to resupply um, us for that mission. But yeah, it was, it was kind of a a rough
0: feeling, you know,
2: yeah, we're going back. I get to get a shower and my buddy gets the shit off his uniform.
0: But at the same time, (laughs) it was like, uh, yeah, you kind of want to finish what you started, you know, and kind of follow. Yeah. Follow it through. I that's why. That.
2: That's why this is nice. You know, I kind of get a follow up on what happened afterwards.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, Spurwangar is a a popular destination for everybody who uh, who anyone who had the privilege of being stationed there. So. Sure. Uh-huh. And I'm pretty sure we would all thank you and your team for. Ensuring our comfort yes. during our two thousand. Yes. Thank you very much for putting us on a hill
1: that did not get hit very often yeah. because they knew they yeah. could never take it. Right. But Especially mostly
0: thank you for not out. bombing the schoolhouse. You know, right. thank you for yeah, keeping that intact. Yes. And so that we could use that as barracks uh, yes. several years later. That's that's so the real So we could sit in the air conditioning in a concrete <laughs> building when it's so 120 War as hell. So I, I think we wanted
2: to talk about this bombing piece. So there was something yes. that yes. was actually there prior to us. Um, and I, I told you I'd get you the information. And I think I'm close to it. i digging okay. through all my messages and stuff like that. But the guy's mm-hmm. name was Evan Brown. Evan uh-huh. Brown was a third group Sade way back in the day, way before I got there. Um, and he was actually on Spear One Gar. Um, and he wrote a uh, a script for it, like a like a movie script. Because uh-huh. he's a, a hmm. super nerd and a super smart guy. He wrote this, this script for it. So I have that script somewhere. I just have to find it. Oh, i'd be it's will- so fascinating i know right i'd be willing to share with you the operation the name of the operation i would be happy to pass you the script if he agrees to it i haven't yeah fair enough that would be awesome yeah
0: yeah, yeah. but and uh, and for cause... our listeners the the background there is that you know rusty and his team were not the first americans to step foot on spurringar as we yeah. originally believed or so thought. there's get, more to the story don't get me
2: wrong i thought they were but uh, you know um so we talk about bombing, the bombing campaign, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So as we're on top of Spear One Gar, um, you all know that that infamous hole that's just kind of sitting there. We call it the shitter. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so we had found out through our intel channels that that hole was a previous operation that my buddy Eben was at where they dropped a JDAM on that hill because they thought that was a mortar pit. Uh-huh. They dropped the JDAM on that hill that just didn't explode. So f- oh, for those of you that were taking a shit in that hole, you were shitting on a JDAM.
1: Unexploded <laughs> <laughs> JDAM. The whole time. The whole time is a JDAM. Just up <laughs> no idea schoolhouse. Now, it, w- it was rendered safe,
0: right? It was rendered there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's
0: great. <laughs> Can you imagine, imagine just sitting at lunch one day and the mountain explodes? Like, yeah, what? Like some, yeah,
1: like fucking Pierce eats too many uh, too many MREs.
0: I, I it think goes they up hit. there.
1: Yeah, you know, Boom. it's a really solid dookie. Tumbles his way down <laughs> and just clicks the little button on the JNAM. Man, that and thing then is next thing you know, in, the whole HLZ is covered in four four like four inches of dust. Pooh. And, and, and men shit. yeah. So it clogs up her, her HVAC unit. Can't get no accuracy anymore. There
2: you go. I think they would actually tried to uh, drop other mun- munitions on it to get it to explode. And it just didn't like, so we felt palpable shit on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably buried deep in the yeah. hill too. Yeah.
0: yeah. Gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Nine months. Never knew. Sit next to a, <laughs> sit next to a fucking, next jargon. to a bomb. Yeah. Yeah. yeah crazy oh man so what was what was the rest of your deployment like after uh after you left spare oh, one gar
2: now you're gonna make me put the pieces together that was a pretty rough deployment for us um no so shit. as i said we had a, a <laughs> well aside from that <laughs> we had a, a a relatively you know as i said earlier we had a relatively small saute community sure. um mm-hmm. we lost four guys from wow. pre-deployment all the way to post-deployment wow so we Damn. had a guy show up brand new out of AIT. Um, McLaren was his name, Brian McLaren. So showed up to the unit, had been there a couple of weeks. We got his issue and he went off to pre-deployment leave. Went home oh, no. and was doing some cliff diving into a river in Arroyo Seco oh. in California and found the shallow end. Oh, no. Uh, oh, man. We had another Damn. guy, um, uh, Q Che. Um, if, uh, I don't want to promote somebody else's work here, but uh, on the National Geographic inside the Green Berets,
0: mm-hmm. if mm. you
2: watch that, it talks about kind of that yes. story. So Q yeah. was one of my guys. Um, and uh, he was unfortunately killed in action. And then we had Nick Robinson, uh, mm. who's out at a fire base and took some sniper fire. And then at the end of the rotation, upon return, uh, Lieutenant Clay Palmrose, Captain Palmrose, I believe, um, was out partying, but doing the right thing, right? They had the sure. designated driver. He was in the back of a pickup truck in Colorado, which was okay there, right? It's, it was legal yeah. in the back of a truck and they had stopped at some point and he got up and tried to drop the tailgate so he could sit on the tailgate. And of course he was in the vehicle and as the tailgate, you know, he's pulling on as a tailgate released, he just went over and, you know, if you will, found the shallow end. So we lost mm-hmm. four guys in that very small seven-month time frame. So it was literally – and we lost Bill Brown during that time frame. Like, you know, we had to – we went off to um, spinn with one of the teams that was um, part of the Panjaway operation. And mm-hmm. uh, things weren't going on, and that's one of the things about the SAD A teams. We don't get to sit out at a fire base. It's quiet.
0: Sure. Because we're mm-hmm. a
2: force protection element, we got to go to a place that's got some stuff going on. Right. So we go out to spin Boldak and just not a whole lot was going on. It was pretty quiet. Um, the team wasn't coming into contact as much as they tried because they did. Um, mm-hmm. We got the nine line. The team sergeant came in. Jeff was his name. He came in and he says, hey, Tom, I need you to come into the opposite with me. I go in and I kind of catch the tail end of this nine line med And they're talking about the intel guys. And, you know, of course, they don't give the names. Um, They're very Mm -hmm. abbreviated. And, you know, of course, I'm thinking, you know, don't let it be one of my guys. God, don't let it be one of my guys. And we find out it's cute. So Mm. uh, KYU, if you want to look it up. Um, So we go, I tell the team sergeant, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna tell my guys to pack. He's like, what? Like, I'm gonna tell my guys to pack. He's like, why would you pack? I'm like, because we can't stay here. Firebase O'Shea needs us. We're going to go replace them. It's not my call. Mm It comes at the group level, the 06 level. That's not my call, but I'm telling you, they're mm-hmm. going to call us tomorrow and tell us to pack our shit. I'm just going to preempt yeah. this and, and get out of here. Um, okay. So I went back, you know, broke the news to my guys. Um, my interpreter, um, Isak Jalili, one of my best interpreters, he, this was the second time he had worked for me. I specifically requested him because I knew he was in country.
0: Mm-hmm. The
2: interpreter that was killed in that um, IED was his buddy, Tony. I don't know Tony's mm-hmm. last name, but he was absolutely devastated. So I tell my team, uh, we start packing up, and literally the next morning we get the phone call: "You guys are moving to O'Shea. So
0: mm-hmm.
2: we go out to O'Shea, and we start sporting another ODA uh, to continue the fight.
1: Because Q got killed in IED strike, yeah,
2: upon a mountainside somewhere, right? Yeah, it was uh, okay. Yeah, it was one mm-hmm. of those uh, we'd been there before. You know we're going back. It's it's kind of a higher point. Um, mm-hmm. it, it it was really rough terrain out there in Oshae. Yeah.
1: I remember that. I, I yeah. remember it from the from the documentary. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Wow. Sure. small world. I mean,
0: it's a it's a small to for four guys. Out of an element of twenty four, right?
1: Yeah. Substantial
0: for that time. Yeah. For the yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a hell of a hit, man. Um. Well, the way that we kind of always close these things out is by giving you the opportunity to have the have the platform, um, you know, to to say whatever that we wanted that you wanted to say that we never got around to during the normal course of the interview or anything that you're really passionate about that you want to kind of get out there. So, the floor is yours, Tom. So uh, I know you guys have focused the spotlight on all of us, and
2: I really want to kind of turn it back on you two. So. Some of the conversations I've had with my Sade brothers that I've deployed with multiple times out of third group was, um, hey, we should really sit down and write a book and talk about our experiences, you know, the things that make us laugh, the things that make us cringe, the things that make us cry when we're sitting around the bonfire drinking beers. We should write a book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we haven't been able to do that because, A, these guys can't read, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, B, we've kind of gone all of our separate ways. Most of us are yeah. retired. we got one guy that's still in, but... I really want to thank you guys for doing this. This is something that I can leave for my children when they grow up and they, they get a better understanding of, Hey, what's going on. Cause I don't want to tell them all the stories, you Sure, know, cause some sure. of those are, are pretty private, but this is fantastic. And I really appreciate you guys giving us the opportunity to talk about this. And it's been an honor to be on your guys' show.
0: It, I mean, the privilege is oh, ours, man. man. It yeah, really absolutely. is. Um, and we appreciate it for sure. Yeah. Um, deeply. you know, that's one of the things that's kind of helped, helped, keep it going um mm-hmm. is that it, it does mean so much to other people and we appreciate that but really end of the day you know the participation of guys that have served in variety in a variety of capacities in Panjway yeah. um makes this experience just worth it to us so definitely man i really appreciate
1: you coming on and uh, you know appreciate the compliment i'll take it highly <laughs> <laughs> salute, salute. Yeah, cheers
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Panjway Podcast. If you liked what you heard, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. New episodes every Monday on all major podcast platforms, Facebook and YouTube. Visit www.thepanjwaypodcast.com for more information.